On this episode, Matthew McConaughey is seeing ghosts. He dates three women at once while also having a mistress on the side and flirting with two gals at once. He's the world's biggest hornball. Michael Douglas is the ghost with all the skills as he showed Matthew McConaughey how to be a womanizer when he was alive, but now as a ghost he has to fix what he didn't get right the first time by having more ghosts visit to scare Matthew McConaughey away from having any more sex. And Matthew McConaughey also has to fix what he didn't get right the first time as he learns the true meaning of love from said ghost and tries to get back the one that got away, Jennifer Garner. This isn't a horror movie, guys, although it definitely sounds like one. It's a romantic comedy titled Ghost of Girlfriend's Past. But before we talk about this spooky love story, let's jam. All I need are some tasty waves, cool buzz, and I'm fine. fine. I'm your host, guys, Steve Pfeiffer. This, of course, is my show, Guilty Pleasure Movies. And I talk movies that are not so great, but they still have a soft spot in my heart. On this episode, we continue America's Sweetheart Month, featuring America's Sweetheart chosen by you guys, the fans, Matthew McConaughey. We're talking films with him as the leading role. This episode is all about ghosts of girlfriends past. It's a 2009 rom-com, you know, romantic comedy, but... It is the most recent film we've discussed so far and reviewed, so bring on the modern trash. Runtime of just at 100 minutes flat, so not bad, you know. but I'm sure they could have ultimately trimmed off some of that fat off the movie to get it a shade under the 90-minute mark. There is a lot of unnecessary, you know, so-called witty dialogue in there and lots of overused pickup lines by Matthew McConaughey on all sorts of ladies. It just all adds up to a bunch of garbage that we don't need. But, you know, ultimately, Matthew McConaughey, he, he literally sweats machismo throughout this fucking film. You know, just, but enough is enough with the fucking clever one-liners from this guy. I mean, God, it's it's just, it's overdone, overkill, guys. Anyways, the writer of this fucking movie is, it's actually a dynamic duo. It's John Lucas and Scott Moore. They have teamed up practically on every title they've worked on. Um, such titles include the Hangover Trilogy, so definitely a, lots of good films mixed in there. They've also worked on some shit like Four Christmases, and they also wrote and directed the first Bad Moms movie, which is the good one of the Bad Moms movies, and not a lot of titles under their belts, but there are a few other pieces of shit in there. Like I said, Four Christmases, eh, not so great, and then you get Rebound, you know, starring Martin Lawrence, which is just a god-awful fucking kids movie. Oh my goodness, not even a to-be-continued, not even worthy, because it's just, I can't do it. Anyways, you know, these guys are solid. You know, I'm sure they're rich as hell with the Hangover trilogy they did. So so they're not too worried about a turd here or there, basically. And this movie, Ghost of Girlfriend's Past, it's directed by Mark Waters. He His work also includes, you know, such titles as the Freaky Friday remake, 
Mean Girls. So he's definitely obsessed with Lindsay Lohan, but this is before she went nuts, so good time to work with her. He also did a little film called Just Like Heaven, starring an Reese Witherspoon, and that's definitely a to-be-continued for this show, so it's just an outrageous romantic comedy with a bunch of more ghosts mixed in, so just lots of bullshit. So he loves the ghosts, he loves the rom-coms, and he also did Bad Santa 2, so that movie fucking sucked. I loved the first one, and it was Bad Santa 2, it was okay, but definitely a letdown compared to the first. You know, I, honestly, I hate it when they make sequels like 12 years later, when people just don't quite care enough about that first one anymore. And so it's just, why even bother? But hey, I'm sure you got a nice paycheck out of it. And anyways, back to this film, it stars Matthew McConaughey, of course, and also Jennifer Garner as his love interest, and you may know her from such titles as 13 Going on 30, or more likely from Elektra. Um, I all, me personally, I always get her confused with Rachel McAdams, the gal from Wedding Crashers, who I think definitely has had a better career, but they kind of look alike. Also, this movie has Brecken Meyer. Um, he's the younger brother of Matthew McConaughey in this film, and he's known for such titles as Freddy's Dead, you know, Elm Street number 38 or some shit, whatever fucking, because they got up to too many, I lost count. He also was in one of my favorites, Road Trip, which is a comedy classic, and he's also one half of Franklin and Bash, I, which I used to enjoy. I forget which one he is of the mix, but because it's a show I used to enjoy but haven't watched for a while, but it's definitely pretty interesting. Also, we've got Michael Douglas as a fucking ghost. We all know and love some Michael Douglas, so we're not going to dive into his career because I'm sure you've all got your favorites of his. But don't forget Emma Stone. She plays a very annoying ghost of Matthew McConaughey's past. And she, of course, is from Superbad and more recently La La Land. We'll, we'll dive more specifically into his characters, but her specifically, she's my least favorite. She is just... Oh my god, cliche 80s just spewing everywhere at you, but, you know, she, I guess, was one of the ghosts of the girlfriend's past, so we had to get her in there, and you guys know I love talking posters of the films and the trailers to kind of get me real pumped up, you know, gotta get the full effect if you're gonna walk down memory lane, so I like to kind of take myself back to, you know, if it was before I ever saw the movie, you know, what got me excited if I was gonna check it out, so the posters are the first thing that caught your eye ever if you're at the theater, you know, it's got Matthew McConaughey, Jennifer Garner. They're back-to-back -back with each other. They're dressed in their Sunday's finest. But it looks like some cardboard cutouts of them. You know, and behind them on a, is a wall with some extra creepy pictures of Matthew McConaughey's ex-girlfriends. You know, it's kind of, you know, very... Uh, it looks like photoshopped all over the place. It's simple, but it does work. You get the idea of what they're trying to get through. And then, you know, eventually get to the trailer, of course, which is Matthew McConaughey's character is a successful millionaire photographer... He's a playboy currently dating three ladies, but he's through with them, and he decides to dump them all at the same time via Skype, all while you see his half-naked mistress in the background. But when he bumps into an ex-girlfriend at his brother's wedding, suddenly Matthew McConaughey is taught the meaning of true love. How, you ask? Michael Douglas' ghost shows up and takes him on a trip down memory lane by making him visit the ladies he loved and left. Matthew McConaughey finally discovers where he went wrong and wants the one that got away, Jennifer Garner, to forget the past and be with them now and in the future. Gotta love it, guys. That's basically, I watched it. I kind of took a couple notes. I'm like, this is the jits of the film. They did a good fucking job trying to get through to the message of what they want this movie to be about. And, you know, there's not a lot of surprise twists by any fucking means, but it's a damn good trailer not a huge Matthew McConaughey fan, but I like these kind of titles. I like a couple of the, the comedies that he does. You know, he's got some classics, you know, thrillers and dramas, all that shit. But I kind of know him more for his comedy bullshit 
that he's done like these films. And this one I was really excited to see. It was fun to go back and watch it. It doesn't have a ton of highlights, but we'll get to those. You know, it, like I said, it's an excellent trailer. Um, you definitely get that feel of what to expect. The cast is rock solid for this type of film, in my opinion. And it clearly is well shot with a decent budget. And it's that simple rom-com with a few special effects. So it looks like an okay movie. You know, it may have been not one I would have gone on my way to see in the theaters, but it's definitely a good date night movie. You know, definitely worth a red box rental, I guess you could say. And uh, budget-wise, $37.5 So Matthew McConaughey is fucking expensive. And I guess there is that decent cast. You know, so Michael Douglas, and he's not cheap. You know, a veteran like this guy, I'm sure, you know, he, he gets at least a few million with any credit next to his name these days. So he's kind of like a pro basketball player in the NBA where, you know, they've got this rule where after so many years of playing, you basically have, you know, this threshold they can't pay below a certain amount, which is like $2 million as that bare-bone minimum that is. And they can't pay you less. So Michael Douglas is basically like the Dirk Nowitzki of Hollywood, dude. I mean, he's been in the league, you know, for fucking 20 years you know, that's the equivalency of like 40 or whatever in Hollywood. And that's basically what Michael Douglas has under his belt. The gross for this film, $102.2 million. And so that's fucking nuts. And this was released in May. So, you know, I'll be honest, this is sort of impressive, like very impressive, to be honest, because it wasn't a winter holiday release and it wasn't on Valentine's Day. So Matthew McConaughey, he does know how to get the audience to come see his shitty rom-coms. You know, he was pumping up, you know, as he was pumping up into the that shit out, or he's pumping him out, that is, you know, the mid to late 2000s, you know, all kinds of these bullshit titles were coming out, and he was gradually getting more and more money made off his name, and he was getting out there, and I mean, he was, of course, a star before this shit, but, you know, that's, like I said, I didn't, haven't seen a lot of his stuff, but I mean, I really got into his shit because of films like this, sadly to say, but, you know, anyways, why is it a guilty pleasure movie? Because I'll back this up and defend everything I just said. You know, it is one of the few Matthew McConaughey films I've actually seen, and I personally own it. You know, I do find it to be quite silly, a bit funny and entertaining. You know, Matthew McConaughey and Jennifer Garner, they do actually make a pretty good on-screen couple. They've got that excellent uh, excellent chemistry, that is. Um, the writing isn't my favorite at times, but they play well off each other. And the smiles, they just seem sincere. So it's a unique take on a tale of a Christmas carol, and it doesn't rely on the holidays. So it's a film that works all year. Um, you know, you get that cool twist on you know, that, you know a tale that we all kind of recognize and know. But Matthew McConaughey, he does play a good and believable womanizer, of course. He plays a great pig in any film. You know, it's easy to label this title as a chick flick, but it's definitely not. You know, I'd say it's it's an everyone flick because it's got something or someone for everyone to enjoy. Like I said, it's got that great cast. It's got a twist on a tale we all know and love, and... It's just one of those films that's easy to kick back, you not, not have high expectations. It's a popcorn film. You can kick back and fucking enjoy it, you know? And it's, it's that, like I said, it's an insane twist on a beloved story, but it makes it an easy choice for a guilty pleasure movie. So let's dive into the opening credits. Let's go ahead and roll credits on this fart fest known as Ghost of Girlfriend's Past. It all starts with Matthew McConaughey. He's getting out of his... Fucking rich-ass, $200,000-plus-dollar Jaguar sports car. He walks into his big old business office, which is a photography studio that he owns and operates. He walks into a photo shoot that's already in session, and this guy just takes charge of the camera. He literally is the man behind the camera because he takes one snap and perfecto, he's ready to roll. This guy doesn't fuck around, folks. He's too busy. He's got lots of chicks to bang, basically. 
He, he walks off to another shoot, and but not before bumping into two models in lingerie. And they say, hey, we can't wait to meet up with you later, wink, wink. So he has his assistant who's been following, her, following him around everywhere practically. She pencils them in for later that evening. And off he goes to the other shoot. And a young model who was there, she's fully clothed. So I guess she didn't get the memo that you need to be half naked to be here. And But she's stripped down by two random people out of nowhere. So it's just casual harassment. But she doesn't know what to do. But she's willing to do whatever it takes to get this job. And he tells her, good thing. Because I need you to trust me. And he sticks an apple on her head out of fucking all things out of nowhere. And cue this Asian lady with a bow and arrow who plays sixth in archery in her native country. So she's not bad. But she's definitely not a gold medalist by any means. So I guess they got her for a budget. Good deal. And what they should have done was call in John Rambo for this stunt. So I'm thinking, hey, Stallone could have done this. He would have definitely nailed it. And hey, hey, you. Apple shot off your head with an arrow, considered done. Now, you know what I mean? That's what he would have... Bam. One-shot production kind of shit for this dude. So, anyways, Matthew McConaughey, he gives a countdown. The Asian lady, she nails the apple. And we find out, because this is all printed out on a photo that Matthew McConaughey is magically already framed and hung up in his office within, you know, 15 minutes. But this just basically gets the young model so turned on because... She just decides to get it on with him, and they're fucking all over the studio, just knocking shit off the wall, but making sure to protect her nice framed photo they just got of her. Anyways, the assistant walks in, of course, and she breaks up this big old love fest. She has to remind him, hey, there's a, your brother has a wedding tonight, dude, but there's also, or he has a, the wedding's tomorrow, but the dinner rehearsal's tonight, so you need to get your ass up, and on top of all this, your girlfriends, not only one, but three of them, all three of your girlfriends are wanting to know what's going on. They've been calling all day. You haven't checked in with them, any of them lately. And so he just tells the assistant, go ahead and call all three girlfriends and break up with me. We'll break up with them for me. I'm too busy. You know, and he goes in for a round two with his mistress. And so what a class act this fucking guy is. And anyways, the assistant, she draws a line there. She says, What I do what I will do for you though, is I'll help by putting all three girlfriends on this conference call with you, and then you can be the asshole. And so that's what ends up happening. He tells all three ladies on there, hey, I'll be short and sweet. It's been all right, all right, all right with the three ladies, but the party is over. Bye-bye. And he disconnects the call, and they begin to have a big old total meltdown on camera. And once again, he goes back to the young model to ram his tongue down her throat. But before they end up fucking again... She says, why am I even doing this right now? And he basically replies, you know, it's usually daddy issues. But she informs him, I've never even met my father. And so he shows her some real emotional support by telling her, well, come to Papa. And I'm thinking, ew, but this fucking works. So, geez, you know, this guy's got all the tricks in the bag. And we cut to Matthew McConaughey. He's driving his too fast, too furious sports car. He's cruising off to the dinner rehearsal. So he, this guy makes excellent timing. And this dinner is at his uncle's house, his dead uncle anyways, which is where him and his brother grew up. And it's a big-ass mansion that is built for royalty, basically. And he arrives there, but rather than being a gentleman and knocking on the front door or quietly letting himself in even, he decides to bang on this big-ass fucking window right where everybody is, you know, can see him. And this is while the wedding rehearsal is already taking place. So, Jesus Christ, man. And the crowd is literally livid, of course. 
and they're not too thrilled that he's even shown up to the wedding. They're actually kind of stunned he even showed up, to be honest. But his brother, Breckenmeyer, he doesn't care what anyone thinks. He's just pumped because Big Bro was there for the big day. And Matthew McConaughey, he gives you know Little Bro a pet talk while they have a little moment alone, and and he tries to convince him, you know, his brother to walk away, you know, no, you know, drive away actually, right in here, right now, never look back. Here are the keys to the car. Get away as quick as you can. And Breckenmeyer just kind of looks at him real confused and just kind of laughs it off awkwardly, while he walks back over to soon to be bride and just kind of waves goodbye to his brother. And anyways, Jennifer Garner just she notices something fishy's going on, so she walks up to Matthew McConaughey and she says, "Don't you fuck this up." It's the bride's biggest day of her life, which happens to be my best friend, and I will cut off your dick if you try to cause a scene and ruin this shit. And so he says, hey, all right, all right, all right. And he decides to play nice, and he goes to greet the bride even. He needs to be a classy guy. And we get the first LOL moment of the movie. Matthew McConaughey basically gives the same pep talk to the bride-to-be that he did his little bro, where he says, hey, it's not too late to get the fuck out of here. You know, be the re- be the next runaway bride. Here's the keys of the car, my sweet lady. So, that shit was awesome. Anyways, she too laughs it off and gives him that get-the-fuck-away-look-before-I-stab-you-with-a-fork kind of thing. So, he notices that he's seen that look plenty of times, I'm sure. And so, he goes to get reacquainted with the bridesmaids. He says, you know... He says, I've, you know, been with all but maybe one of you ladies, you know, as far as fucking, so this shouldn't be too awkward for anyone. And he does politely say hello, been there, done that, and decides to walk away to meet the groomsmen, go hang out with the guys. And these guys are a bunch of goddamn dorks, to be honest, you know, and they're completely awestruck by this wizard sex master or whatever he is. Seriously, this is a stupid gag, though, because it's a bunch of weirdos that are being infatuated by some guy who has sex with a few dozen women or maybe even a few hundred. Regardless, it's never funny, but they, it's just just way overdone in this scene, and one guy just even you know, stumbles on his words, and it's just silly. Anyways, Matthew McConaughey, he goes to meet the minister, and his name is a.k.a. the Sarge, and he's a retired military, but he's also the father of the bride, so he doesn't take shit from punks like Matthew McConaughey, and so they instantly get off on the wrong foot, of course, and, and Matthew McConaughey is the ultimate hated man at this fucking wedding, no one wants him there, Bare, his little brother probably barely wants him there, to be honest, but, and we'll get more into that, I promise. But they go over last little details, last minute details, that is. And, you know, Matthew McConaughey, he's just relieved to finally slip away. And he's going upstairs by himself. And along the way, he sees old photos of the dead uncle that's played by Michael Douglas. Awesome, MD. And so he tells him, hey, you're a legend. We miss you every day, pal. And so he goes off into dead uncle's old bedroom and about shits himself because he sees wedding decorations all over the place. And... Matthew McConaughey, he Matthew McConaughey fucking hates weddings, and we'll talk more about that. But he is just he just fucking looks like you know fire in his eyes at this point in time. But Jennifer Garner, she walks in, and Matthew McConaughey's saying, "Hey, the dead uncle, he'd be rolling in his grave right now because he was the biggest womanizer to grace the green earth, and he hated weddings as much as I did, if not more." And so he even starts throwing shit in a fireplace. And it looks like he may have grabbed some wedding dresses or some shit or some at least something fucking important. You know, that this but this guy has snaps, so he doesn't care what's going on, what he's doing. He's being reckless, you know. But she tells him to get the hell over it. 
she decides to, so he decides, you know, hey, what else should I do? She's trying to put me in my place. Things are a bit awkward. He makes an advance at her with some bullshit pickup lines that, you know, she doesn't fall for. She knows this dude's tricks, and she even calls him out before they happen. So she's not some fucking mind reader. She just says, she's been there, done that. Anyways, you know, she walks out, Matthew McConaughey, he's left with his dick in his hand. So he's, you know, where's, you know, good old Vaselina when you need her? And anyways, Captain Matthew McConaughey, he's getting hammered at the dinner rehearsal. You know, he he's just being a prick and rude to everyone around him, basically. Like I said, nobody likes this guy. And the bride walks up and notices that the salad that they are serving doesn't have the right croutons. The right croutons, for fuck's sake. So, you know, this is the problem with big weddings. You know, you get Bridezilla that comes out for sure. You know, you start having the too many details to worry about, so the little shit gets complicated. And I, you know, fuck croutons anyways. You know, they aren't bad, but they're a little overrated on the salad anyways. You know, cru- you know bacon bits. It's all about the fucking bacon bits, I'm telling you. And not that little dried up bullshit. That doesn't even have bacon in it. You need to have the real deal. And anyways, Breckenmeyer says, no one even notices the croutons, babe. You know, they got extra ranch dressing, so everybody's a winner. And then he asked Matthew McConaughey to make a toast at his wedding, which his bride had obviously no clue about and doesn't seem to like the idea. And Matthew McConaughey, he disrespectfully declines by saying marriage is like the Easter Bunny, it's fake. So I'm like, yeah, that's a great comparison, you know what I mean? If you're going to prove your point, what better way to do it? Why not just fucking tell the kids that Santa's fake? He's not. You quit believing, you quit receiving, my friends. Live by that motto, you'll always be happy. Anyways, Matthew McConaughey, he excuses himself from the dinner table. He goes to the bathroom. And he's the only one in the bathroom. Well, kind of, sort of, because the ghost of Michael Douglas is there. And he's taking a fat ghost piss in the urinal. So I'm like, I didn't realize ghost, you know, had to pee. But this guy drinks too while he's fucking a ghost. And it doesn't even leak out of him through his, you know his neck or some bullshit like he's no this guy is the real deal ghost he drinks and pisses still it's awesome and so we're learning about the the you know the dead and all that kind of stuff you know never something i've seen in a movie where a ghost did that i've seen it all but until at least i thought anyways so anyways matthew mcconaughey doesn't know what to think he said you know he says uncle you're dead but Matthew and our, our Michael Douglas tells him, "Hey, players never die; they just move to another table." And that is a classic line, guys. That is why M.D. Michael Douglas is the man. He does the whole ghost thing, though, where he walks through Matthew McConaughey. And normally, when a ghost, you know, they walk through someone, that person kind of feels lightheaded or kind of confused or whatever. But and they're kind of all shook up, all that bullshit. But Matthew McConaughey, he doesn't do any of that. He just kind of licks his lips and he gets that taste of cologne of a dead Michael Douglas ghost. So I'm learning all kinds of different shit about the, the dead that I never knew. If you fucking get touched by a spirit, you're going to taste the cologne. And in this instance, it's in this instance that is getting a little tongue-tied. I'm pretty sure that cologne, though, was Stetson for men. I don't know. I mean, it was maybe an upscale stuff because the guy's got a few bucks. But he looks kind of cheesy in that way. Anyways, Michael Douglas tells him, you know, my life was good, but not great. Don't waste your life chasing tail and never truly falling in love because it's not the way to go. And that's what he did. And he, he thought he was, you know, a happy camper. Matthew McConaughey has been living up, you know, looking up to this guy's whole life, but finds out he's, he was never really happy to begin, you know, to end, begin and end with. So anyways, he tells Matthew McConaughey, 
he will be visited by three ghosts, which will cause him to have feelings he forgot he had, but it is for the best. And then he does another classic ghostly move where he just fucking vanishes to nowhere. Where, where the hell this guy go? I literally blinked and he's gone. So, anyways, Matthew McConaughey goes downstairs and he sees an attractive woman at the bar. So he, of course, would assume, that, hey, this has got to be a ghost. You know what I mean? Why not? So he squeezes her boobs. And like any person, that would what they would do to a ghost. He'd squeeze the titties, right? Of course you would. So, anyways... You know, he remarks how real these ghost boobs feel, and she assures him the boobs are real, but she ain't no ghost. She's the bride of the groom. So he is already, you know, fucking got himself into a world of shit with the father of the bride, and now he's squeezing the boobs of the bride of the, uh, the fucking mom of the bride, that is. So this ain't looking too pretty. And he knows a woman this attractive with boobs, this squeezable at her age, has to be divorced. And bingo, he's correct. So, hey, at least he didn't hit on a married woman. and Which wouldn't be a first for him, I'm sure. Anyway, she confirms that she's been divorced from the Sarge for eight years. And he says, no sweat, marriage is a joke, blah, 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 etc., etc. And ask her, uh, hey, you know, when did casual sex become a crime? And no way you can say that to a woman at a wedding and not get arrested or at least kicked out for being a giant perv. But Matthew McConaughey, you know, he always finds a way to pull it off. And she is truly flattered, but she has to politely decline his invite, you know, for the casual sex. But she is off limits. But, you know, says, hey, that blonde back there, she's been checking you out this whole time, so why don't you go see what you can do and... So, of course, he calls her a silver cougar and calls it a night with this lady and runs off to the blonde bombshell. He goes to tell that blonde lady, hey, you know, she's a bridesmaid, by the way, way, and, you know, she happens to be the only one of the group that he hasn't had the pleasure of having some casual sex with himself. And so he doesn't want her to feel left out, guys. And so before she runs off to the room, he asks his bridesmaid, uh, hey, are you the one that slept with my brother? Which she's really caught off guard, and so he knows right away, okay, this isn't the one. He tells her, hey, forget what I said, I was just kidding. But, you know, hey, I've been seeing ghosts and drinking heavily, so I'm a little bit fucked up right now. And Matthew McConaughey, he goes upstairs to join his blonde lady friend, and he hears someone moving around underneath the covers in the bed, and goes to check it out. He's oh yeah, things are getting kind of freaky. But out pops Emma Stone, doing a fucking terrible 1985 Cindy Lauper look. She's got this jean jacket and jean mini skirt along with her hair all scrunchied and don't forget the gloves with the fingertips cut off because that was just so cool back then but oh my god. And so we've got the first ghost of a girlfriend's past and she is like I said my least favorite. She is just terrible. She's a great actress but this role is just ugh. I don't know if anybody could have pulled it off, honestly. So I can't really... Don't know if I want to blame her because it's just intended to be this bad and it accomplished what it set out to do. So anyways, he gets pretty fucking spooked out. He tries to run away, but there is no outrunning a ghost. He should know better. We should all know that. They just pop up wherever you look. And that's what she does. She's popping up two steps ahead of him, that kind of thing. And he tries to deny what he's seeing, says... It must be the booze. I've been fucking drinking all day, all night. But she assures him, nope, I'm the super duper real deal. You know what I mean? So she tells him she is going to show him some of his past relationships so he can see when exactly he got his head stuck up his own ass. 
And so that's how she boldly puts it anyway. So that's those are her words. And so that's a good way to put it, though. I mean, he needs to find out where he went wrong so he can fix it. But that's where, you know, when you went wrong, that's where you put your head up your ass. Good way to fucking put it. Anyways, traveling back to 1982. And they don't need no DeLorean. They don't even need a fucking telephone booth a la Bill and Ted, which is a big to-be-continued. They just fucking snap their finger, snap, crackle, pop kind of shit. And I'll, you know, voila, you're there. And we're off to his first relationship. It's a very young Matthew McConaughey, maybe 10-ish years old, and it's his birthday, and he's hanging out with a young Jennifer Garner, as we find out. She gives him his very first camera, a Polaroid, and he, and we instantly know that she is the inspiration for his passion for the rest of his life, and so that must mean something important. He takes a picture of her and says, I'll keep it forever, and you know, how frickin' romantic, you know, and they almost share a first kiss, but, you know, they're little. So what's he do? He tags her, and they run off to play, of course. They're not quite in a kiss, and they still got the cooties, but pretty close. But anyways, Matthew McConaughey, we see his parents when we find out, you know, they're kind of walking off in the distance, and we find out that it wouldn't be much longer before they both die in a car accident. So RIP to them. And they cut to a memory of the funeral, but Matthew McConaughey, he can't take it. He says, let's fast forward. You know, there's got to be a fast forward button like in that movie Click. And that might be another To Be Continued. So I need to start keeping a list, keeping tabs of these To Be Continued. Like I said, these are shows for the future. And we're going to get to. We might even have a month dedicated to some shit like that. So, And definitely help me out with which ones you guys think deserve to be on here. And anyways... We cut to a memory, like I said, of that funeral, and he just can't take it. So what do we do next? We cut to a middle school dance. We got to turn that tone around, guys. Flip the frown upside down. We got some rad 80s tunes and that are playing in the background at this fucking sweet school dance. And I remember those days. That was a lot of fun, you know what I mean? I remember especially my first one in middle school. A little bit nervous. Didn't know quite what to do, but... You know, as soon as you get the hang of it, guys, and this was at a time, oh my god, it was just, you know, you got guys like Ja Rule, you know, it's like 2001, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm probably 14, 15 years old if they're on that age, and oh my gosh, it was just terrible, because I mean, they said keep the, you know, 12-inch distance, but you had people booty grinding, and it was disgusting, I mean, you think about it now, I'm like, oh my god, I don't even want to know what happened later that evening, especially at that age, it's not right, anyways... You know, we find out that, you know, teenage Matthew McConaughey, he still had a crush on this teenage Jennifer Garner. And before he has his chance, you know, his big chance to ask her to dance, you know, to make it all come true and make his life complete, basically, his friends or her friends run up to her and say, hey, there is this really cute popular guy and he wants to dance with you. And so she gives him one more chance, but then she reluctantly has to go off. Because Matthew McConaughey fucking freezes up, you know, the teenage version of him. And so we find out that the guy that she went off to the dance with used to get boners in gym class and is now bald and working as some Civil War reenactor. But hey, it could be a lot worse, I'm sure. Cut to Michael Douglas. You know, he's picking teenage Matthew McConaughey up from the dance. He sees the kid is crushed. And since the dreams of marrying Jennifer, you know, Jennifer Garner are now dead or whatever, so... You know, he has their whole life planned out since they were kids playing tag. And it's kind of cliche and disgusting. But anyways, you know, Michael Douglas, he tells him, hey, no sweat, kid. You dodged a bullet. And so side note, 
Michael Douglas, you know, he you know he yells at the kid and calls him a sissy when he asks him where the seatbelts are, and the car is definitely it's not equipped with them. So I'm like, what the fuck? I know cars can be customized, but that there's no way this car is street legal without seatbelts. There's no way you can do that, even if it was supposedly the '80s or whatever. You, there's no way. Michael Douglas is a hot shot with no way. I'm telling you. But, I don't know, he could get away with whatever. Anyways, he admits, hey, I can't teach you about camping or sports or any of the dude stuff, guy stuff, mainly stuff, but I will teach you something important, how to be a pig, how to be a fucking womanizer and talk to the ladies. So we cut to Michael Douglas taking him to a bar with girls, you know, with skimpy outfits on. This guy's, this teenage version, probably 14, 13 tops, going to a bar Nobody even fucking says a word. So Michael Douglas does what he fucking wants and gets away with it, oddly enough. So what's he do next? He orders two jacks on the rocks. You know, he passes it off to him. And this kid, he takes a sip and almost pukes. He spits it out. And as soon as that first drop hits his lips, he doesn't know what to do. So he is just, oh my gosh, it is disgusting. And he can't take it. He spits it all out. You know, he tells his uncle, hey... I, I shouldn't be doing this, and so he says, hey, fuck it, you know, you need to loosen up, go talk to some ladies, tells his uncle, I'm not allowed to talk to strangers, you know, how am I supposed to approach some beautiful lady I don't even know, and you don't talk to strangers, I'm thinking, you know, I know this kid's parents have been dead a few years, like I said, RIP to them, but he's been taught nothing by his guardian, and the school system is failing at these dances or whatever, these kids are getting sexually traumatized in gym class or <laughs> or whatever's going on at this fucking school, so, but this kid is like 15-ish, you know, and he doesn't realize it's okay to say hello to a pretty lady, and thank goodness Michael Douglas is here to show him the ways, so, <laughs> he tells the kid to forget about Jennifer Garner, that bitch is old news like yesterday's paper, pal, and he tells him if he ever wakes up one day in a bed with a woman and he's spooning, and you've been in a long-lasting relationship, maybe even been, you know, maybe you have a nice little apartment together, well, get the fuck out of there as fast as you can, because that shit is not what life is about. That shit isn't fun. Sleeping with hundreds of ladies each year is fun. Let me show you a trick or two on how to flirt with the ladies. And so that's what he does. And teenage Matthew McConaughey tells him, well, how about you make that blonde over there jealous by flirting with her friend? And Michael Douglas's jaw literally smacks on the floor, and his ears start, or his eyes start to tear up. And you know he's never been so damn proud of anyone in his entire life. You know he's like, "You're you're a quick learner, kid, and you said the perfect thing." You know, hundred percent thus far. And of course, the suggestion works, and Michael Douglas ends up with the, that lady that night. And I'm sure he made Matthew McConaughey drive him home, too, while they got it on, while some Ario Speedwagon is playing in the Firebird. So, you gotta love the 80s, guys. I'm an 80s baby, but I grew up in the 90s. But I definitely like to look back on those times. So, cut to two years later, back in the film. And teenage Matthew McConaughey has his hair grown out long, and he's wearing some leather jacket, and he's listening to Poison. So he thinks he's some hot shot, and the kids do as well. You know, he shows up at some, at some kid's basement party, and they all think he's some kind of a badass. They expect him to basically pull out some camel cigarettes or, you know, roll, out, roll, roll in with a keg or some bullshit. And anyways, you know, he decides to ignore teen Jennifer Garner. He sees her there in the background. He decides, hey, I'm going to hook up with one of your friends, teenage Emma Stone. 
And we find out that they go to play some seven minutes in heaven, but it only lasts about maybe two and a half minutes. And that was after some small talk. So he didn't even need the rest of that time. He just, This guy doesn't fuck around in anything. And she compares this whole, you know, getting to fuck him, being, you know, the first time for both of them, as like Neil Armstrong walking on the moon. <laughs> like, so she deserved to plant a flag in that basement that evening or some bullshit. And anyway, we cut to years later. And Matthew McConaughey, this is like after he's gone to college, just, you know, just starting his photography career. He's at some bar flirting with a group of women, but he hears a sound of Jennifer Garner's voice, and he knows that sweet sound. He hears it in the background, and he goes, decides to give her a big old hug, and he reminds her, hey, you blew me off for Peter Hastings at that dance in middle school. You remember that bullshit? And she reminds him, hey, you're the world's biggest choke artist. You remember that bullshit? Hey. And that's how their lives were forever altered. And they go to sit down and catch up, and he tells you know, tells her about him being, you know, a big old hotshot photographer, and she's a hotshot doctor, but she also jokes about how her and that Pete Hastings fella are still together, and they make out to slow songs all the time, and she still has that red dress from the dance, but he corrects her. He says it was a hot pink dress, actually, and she is so amazed this guy has a memory for stupid bullshit like that, but that's true love, folks. You know, memorize your loved one's wardrobe for 10 years from now because you'll look back on it. And if you were correct on something your your lady might have had on at that time, you know, you say, hey, no, honey. You know, you had your brown Ugg boots on, not the Crocs. And on that day, you know, she'll be fucking amazed and she'll want to fuck you every night for a week in any position you want. Just name it. I'm telling you. So fucking start paying attention. Anyways, Jennifer Garner, she has to head out, though. Her friends are with her, and, you know, they're going home, but of course he won't give up. He just says, hey, I know we were just, you had all these plans, but why don't we just say fuck that and go to dinner right now? You know, it's probably 10.30 at night, you've had a long week, came here with friends, had a big big weekend plan to go to an art festival, but fuck it. Let's go grab some Denny's and blow everybody off. And cut to them on a nice long walk after that big old fucking meal at Denny's. A third meal. I don't know. They might have gone to Taco Bell. You know, the third meals are great from there. If they, st- I don't think they still exist. If if they do, that's awesome. When they were there, they were great. So, anyways, and she, you know, they're talking back at her place. You know, he tries to go in for a kiss and some fucking and all that nonsense. And she denies him sex though for that evening. But Matthew McConaughey, he only smiles because he wants more than just a one-night stand. So things are getting special. And we get a, a little... Here's a budget update, folks. So I can see where some of that $37.5 is being spent during all these trips down memory lane. You know, that ghost of Emma Stone and a present day and Matthew McConaughey are there in the background watching everything unfold. You know, these characters are invisible, of course, since it's a memory. But anyways... We see a nice shot of a split-screen effect of the two Matthew McConaughey's, you know, the past and the present. And I'm sure it doesn't take the same kind of effect or effort, you know, or money like the Van Damme and Double Impact, of course. And check that episode out if you haven't already, guys, But in the archives. But if you, uh, you know, think about how the way technology is greatly improved, it's pretty awesome. And that definitely costs some money, so I can see where some of that money was spent. But we cut to a sappy montage of Matthew McConaughey and Jennifer Garner 
falling madly in love for each other. You know, they're eating hot dogs at the park, doing laundry together, and then him being rejected, you know, of sex after every date until one night it happens. And they say it was amazing. You know, it was only 20 years of foreplay, so yum. And he makes that fatal mistake, though, of starting to leave right after they finish. And she gives him an ultimatum. So that was, you know, that was his first mistake, you know, getting up. You need to cuddle for at least a little bit, guys. It's the way it's done. And, you know, she tells him, you've got three seconds to either get back in bed and spoon or leave and never see her again. So what's he do? He he does the right thing. He tiptoes back over there where he belongs and snuggles on up with her in the bed. And then we find out that this is the moment he truly fell for her. But he also realized his uncle's words about spooning. He remembered those words. He did what he does best. He snuck out without saying a word. So she just starts to fall asleep and he heads the fuck on out without saying anything like a, like a big old dickhead. And the next morning, Jennifer Garner wakes up all alone and heartbroken and we cut to a bar full of all the women Matthew McConaughey has ever had sex with. And this guy would make Ric Flair blush at that number. I'm telling you, this it is, whoa, it's like literally goes for miles. And we find out that he was an equal opportunity type because he's sleeping with every color under the sun and even a few women who were now men, so that's impressive. And after what it feels like an episode of The Twilight Zone, you know, we cut back to the present day. And Matthew McConaughey, he falls out of bed and figures everything was just some terrible nightmare, whatever the fuck, so whatever just happened, it was, that was the booze, you know, so blame it on that. And he rushes downstairs and tries to find a giant bottle of more booze to forget the spooky shit he just encountered. So what better way to forget that bullshit than by just getting really fucked up and see what happens. So we cut to a very ridiculous part of the movie, and that's where he pops open a champagne bottle, and, you know, the cork hits a leg on this giant fucking 12-tier wedding cake, whatever the fuck, but it starts to topsy-turvy and almost falls over, but he fucking dives like Jerry Rice and starts to, and he catches that shit, and just before it manages to fall over, but the gag is he can't quite reach the leg that fell off the the cake, it's, it's just a centimeter away from his grip on the floor, you know, if only he wasn't a nail-biter, he would have this, so... You know, he tries to improvise and use his foot to move the champagne bottle over to him to hold that shit up. But what's it do? It falls and crashes, just tumbles and you know, crashes and burns. So, you know, there's bubbly all over the floor and the cake is all over the floor and it's a hot mess. And, you know, he screams, everyone rushes in and Bridezilla is unleashed from hell at this point. So, but he's super lucky. You know, the Sarge is there to hold her, the princess back. So, because she was ready to claw his fucking throat out. And they go to calm her down by doing some meditation or whatever, the, you know, deep breath bullshit. Matthew McConaughey, he's cleaning up the huge hot mess he just made in the kitchen. And Jennifer Garner, she's there with him and she starts to apologize. He says he loves her, or he starts to apologize, excuse me. He's, he realized, you know, he's thinking back on what just happened and he goes to apologize to her. You know, he's, you know, but she says, you know, no way, Jose. You know, you won't be there in the morning. I remember what happened. You know, you're saying all this bullshit now you want to be together, but you won't be there in the morning when it matters the most. So she runs out, and he is utterly disappointed and still freaked out about, you know, what happened and really fucking confused. You know, he runs outside of his car to just abandon ship at this point, but it won't fucking start. And suddenly his assistant is there to help out of freaking nowhere. 
and he goes to give her a hug and relief, but we find out she's the ghost of his present. And why, you ask? Because she is the only woman he consistently sees without leaving after a few weeks. You know, they never got it on, but she's the closest thing to a girlfriend, oddly enough. So <laughs> she says, we aren't going on a trip anywhere because, hey, dumb dumb, it's the present right now. So we're going to stay where we're at. So she takes him back inside and we see a glimpse of what it was like as if he, you know, what the others feel after this guy leaving. So they can't see him. And this is their thoughts on what they think because he's gone. And they're being fucking brutally honest and laying it all out there. And they just say they fucking hate this guy's guts. You know, they just are so glad he's gone. They couldn't fucking wait. Ladies still think he's a fucking beefcake and they miss the eye candy, but he was a prick. Anyways, and Brecken Meyer says he's not so bad. You know, he basically raised him, you know, and, or, you know, Matthew McConaughey's the older brother, so he basically raised Brecken Meyer growing up, and, you know, he taught him how to read, ride a bike, you know, fucking, he beat up any bullies for him, and, you know, it was just them two against the world, and that was our little saying they had for each other, you know, that real corny and sad shit, you know, basically. And it's the kind of stuff that does yank at your heartstrings a little bit because, you know, their folks are gone, and he took care of them, and the uncle, like, as we see, is just a piece of shit, so... He had to do what he could to be, you know, that, you know, father figure slash brotherly figure, too. So, Matthew McConaughey, you know, he sees all this shit going on and just tears up, too. And, you know, because he hears, you know, Breckenmeyer tells him, the crowd, hey, I believe Big Bro can change. You know, I love him. And Matthew McConaughey just can't take it. And, you know, one of the bridesmaids, they make a remark, though, about how, you know, Matthew McConaughey, he's just this piece of shit. And how Jennifer Garner has, you know, he's got her wrapped around his finger, blah, 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 bitchy, bitchy, trash talk, that kind of stuff. And Jennifer Garner, she walks in right at that sentence and can't believe her fucking ears, basically. And she runs off to try to, you know, fix that wedding cake some more to just get her mind off of what just happened. And we cut to Matthew McConaughey, you know, being, you know, zipped over or by these, you know, by, uh, you know, to some apartment or whatever you know, by some ghostly move, or, you know, you just fucking up and all of a sudden end up wherever you want, so ghostly zip move, we'll call it, uh, to this apartment where the three ex-girlfriends he was dating are, from the beginning of the film, are just sitting there having a big old tear fest, and they're just there hanging out, you know, somehow they're now BFFs, and this whole breakup magically brought them all together, and they bonded, yeah, okay, Hollywood, but surprise twist, it's the assistant's apartment, as we find out, and she invited the three gals over because she felt so terrible for the way her boss treated them all earlier, and she was there to witness it. it so she wasn't happy with the way things went down, and she wants to make things right. And she says, hey, this dude's the tin man. He was born without a heart. He's not worth the tears. And Matthew McConaughey, he can't fucking take what this, this all this shit anymore. He just wants to get the hell out of there. He goes outside for a walk, you know, and basically, you know, in some base, some pretend whatever the fuck's going on. So, and some, because I don't know if this is a memory, if this is live bullshit. You know, you never really know what's going on with these little ghostly acts or whatever. So he's walking around in some ghost town, as we'll call it. And outside, the ghost of Michael Douglas shows up to check on him and see how he's holding up so far. And he asks his uncle, why do all these women hate him so much? And his uncle responds, well, women like to be screwed, but not screwed over. 
and cue some rain. Only it's not rain. It's all those tears women have shed over him all these years. So that's a nice exaggeration. Nice effect. There's more of your budget. Anyways, he says, not only that am I going to drop some tears on you, but now we're going to drop a bunch of condoms that you've used all these years on top. And so Matthew McConaughey freaks out. He hears this big old missile effect coming down from the sky. So it's another LOL moment. And he just, you know, covers his face and then cut to him waking up in his car. So it was another silly dream. Like I said, you never quite know what the fuck to expect, what's going on. So anyways, he runs back into the house and tries to tell them he had another epiphany and he's a changed man. So everybody's like, dude, fuck you. We've heard this before. We don't care. You know, just go away. You left. We were happy. You saw you're the that little ghost thing that we didn't want you around. But you're still fucking coming back, dude. Anyways. But the bride, you know, she's too busy, you know, trying to kill the groom because she found out about him sleeping with a bridesmaid. And this is all Matthew McConaughey's fault because he spilled the beans earlier. And, you know, the bride, she's mad because even though it was years ago, it was right when they first started dating. So it was cheating, technically. And Breckenmeyer, he's apologizing up and down and says he loves her, this and that. So Matthew McConaughey, he steps in and says, there you go. Everything should be better now. He said he loves you. That's true love. And Jennifer calls him the, you know, the so-called expert on love. And suddenly now everything is all about these two shitheads, you know, with all eyes on them, doing all this awkward, ridiculous arguing in front of the crowd. And so it's just selfish pricks. They can't even let the bride and groom get over their fight before they have to have one of their own again. And so he tries to make things better by saying, hey, if I can tell my little brother, if I can tell my brother loves you, then it must be true because I don't know shit about love. Plus, you have been a mega bitch of a bridezilla. Plus, you know, he's standing, he's still standing here. So what more should he be doing? And plus, you know, he reminds them that the bridesmaid should be blamed for her part. She's a big slut. And so this, of course, only pisses everyone off even more. And he doesn't know what he did wrong, though. Matthew McConaughey is just a big old doofus. And so his brother finally kicks him out, can't take any more of the bullshit. And so the crowd has turned on him, his brother's turned on him, and he gives him the boot. And Matthew McConaughey, he goes outside and cue the ghost of his future. And it's some angel lady, I'm assuming, because she comes down from the sky in this big old white robe you know, with some crazy effect, and she doesn't say a fucking single word at all, so this lady's part kind of sucks, I'm sure getting that role, you know, if you're a first-timer in Hollywood, alright, that's cool, whatever, I'm in a movie with Matthew McConaughey, I don't have a fucking line, are you serious, this is the best you can get me, agent, you've got to be joking, so, anyways, I'm sure she made a few bucks off of it, you know, residuals, this fucking, like I said, I paid, you'll find out what I paid, so we'll talk about that, but she made something off of me, anyways, you know, she doesn't say a word, you know, they don't really explain who it is, but she takes him into the future to some church, and it's Jennifer Garner's wedding, only she's marrying some other guy. No, the future isn't looking so good already, and still no hoverboards, damn it, this is bullshit, so she's getting married to not Matthew McConaughey, we don't have hoverboards, what the fuck? And the worst part is, he sees his brother at the future wedding, but we find out that his brother had n had no wedding of his own because there's no wedding ring on that finger. 
And that whole big old fight, that big old spiel out of the relationship ending, Breckemeyer looks like total shit in this scene. It looks like he hasn't slept or showered for days, and you can clearly tell he spends all of his money and time on booze, so he's taken on his brother's bad habits. And but not looking so damn good doing it. And they fast forward more years into the future, and Breckenmeyer is an old ass man. He's into that poor looking wrinkly makeup, so there's more of your budget. And he's visiting the gravesite of Matthew McConaughey for his burial. And we find out though that the brother he's the only guest to show up to Matthew McConaughey's funeral. And cue Michael Douglas ghost. He says that's how it works, fella. Guys like us total assholes that is no one wants to come to our funeral nobody misses us when we're gone and it's more of a relief for everybody michael douglas you know he shoves matthew mcconaughey into the grave and all the ex-girlfriends you know he's ever been with start to bury him alive and so this movie just got really fucking awesome that's how it should have just ended just fucking roll credits from there the exes all get some sick ass revenge on him that would make a good, scary twist on A Christmas Carol. So, yeah, no fucking happy ending. Just he gets fucking killed by the ghost. That's the way it should have been. And everything, of course, was one big dream, though. So he's not getting buried. It was a dream. Matthew McConaughey was just taking a nap. It's still the day of the wedding, so he's got time to make shit right. Only there is no wedding, as we find out. The bride called it all off because of what was said and what what, what went down the night before. Matthew McConaughey, he says, tries to say, no, no, no. We got to catch the bride before she is gone for good. And the bride and her bridesmaids are heading to the airport. Matthew McConaughey, he knows he has to catch them all. But all the cars are covered in snow from some nasty shit snowstorm the night before. So he gets a bright idea. To take his dead uncle's old, old gold Cadillac or whatever out, and it's called the Stabbing Wagon, so that's pretty fucking badass and real classy, kind of an eyesore, you know, the, the color choice. But I'm just sure this guy's had this fucking thing since the 70s when it was cool beans back then to drive a gold vehicle. So, <laughs> no offense to anybody, but the gold on this thing is literally all gold everywhere on everything, so it's overkill. And, anyways, he flies down this mountain to find them. But he only ends up passing the car because his won't stop because it's not lacking only seatbelts, but it's also lacking brakes. And he just has to bail out of the car. It flies into some fucking frozen pond and it bye-bye to that car. Hopefully there was insurance on it. But just all the memories are gone. A stabbing wagon, damn it. And it was probably meant to be. If you're gonna kill these kind of you know, these bad habits, you gotta get rid of those kind of that kind of a vehicle too, where I'm sure all kinds of nasty shit went down over the years. Ugh, can't even imagine. But anyways, you know, Matthew McConaughey, he's just lucky to be alive. He escaped all that danger. He jumps in in front of the car, though. You know, he couldn't quite stop him on the mountain, so he has to jump out in front of the car and just risk it all. And he is fortunate they didn't run him over, you know, like a bug smashed on the windshield, that is. But the bride, she hops out, and he is apologizing for everything he ever did wrong to her, trying to sleep with her mom, you know, Making the cake fall over. And. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, basically just uh, being in her life at all. But So he says hey. 
I know I basically fucked everything up for you, and I slept with your mom, making the cake fall over, and basically just being in your life at all is the fucking worst thing I could do. But don't leave Bracken Meyer, damn it. He loves you. He tells her, you know, get over the whole cheating with her, with your, you know, with him. With Get over the whole him cheating with your slutty friend bullshit that is. And she's running because, you know, you know, she, she isn't even really mad. That's what he, he says. You're just running away because you're not even really mad. That's what the scary part is. You know, you, I know you forgave him as soon as he found out because that's the confusing part about love. You just, you want to be mad, but you can't because you love that person too much. And she realizes, you know, this is true. And, you know, Matthew McConaughey says, I've, you know, he tells her, I've been there. All the questions and unknowns of love, but that's why it is worth the risk of finding out. And so, he, you know, he also says he made the same mistake by letting Jennifer Garner out of his life, but he won't let his brother have the same shit happen to him. And Jennifer Garner, you know, he, you know, she hears this big sappy emotional speech and suddenly all she wants is Matthew McConaughey again and the bride is also excited to be getting married so so she's all so all of a sudden excited to be getting married and things are back to being good awesome so we got Jennifer Garner you know all being sappy we got the bride being sappy so the ladies are happy that's what matters the most and we cut to the wedding Matthew McConaughey is the photographer, and he's getting some of the best shots in history. Well, not really. Pretty generic bullshit, but how generous of him to step up when he was needed the most. And this is being giving. Here's your gift, bro. I'll just take a couple pics for you on my, my fucking iPhone. Anyways, the bride finally accepts him into her life, and everything is perfect for the wedding. Even though the cake is only sort of repaired... You know, at least salvage enough for everyone to eat. It's cake. People are going to fucking enjoy it. It doesn't matter. And cut to Matthew McConaughey outside where Jennifer Garner is swinging at the spot she gave him his very first camera when they were kids. So we go back to that old stomping grounds. And she asks, you know, what the hell ever happened, you know, to you over the past 24 hours? You know, you you were acting one way as you see yesterday. Now you're acting this way today. What's going on here? And he admits he isn't 100% sure and, you know, like us, we've got no clue how Michael Douglas even really showed up or what's the fuck to even believe at this point. But one thing we do know is he never stopped caring about her. And he proves it by showing her the photo he took of her when they were kids. And so he kept it just like he promised. So that was pretty goddamn awesome, you know. And it, not bad shape either and for being in his wallet for fucking 20-some years. But he basically begs for forgiveness and promises to be a perfect guy. And, you know, every morning when they wake up, he will still be there by her side, just like she always wanted and just like he always wanted, as a matter of fact. So he is going to be there every night and every morning. He's never leaving her side. So things are just getting creepier by the moment. And he's a little clingy all of a sudden. But they share a sweet kiss and live happily ever after. And, you know, the film ends with a shot back inside the house. You know, the ghost, Michael Douglas, is flirting with the angel ghost of... The angel ghost lady who doesn't talk. The the, the ghost of the future. (laughs) And so, he asks this ghost, Hey, you want to go back to my place with me? And But she just throws some ghostly daiquiri in his face and just fades away into the heavens or whatever. So, all kinds of ghostly shit going down. And... You know, that just leaves him and the ghost of Emma Stone, but she reminds him, hey, I'm only 16, but he says, hey, baby, ghosts are ageless, and I'm just thinking, ew, 
and roll credits. Oh my god, we gotta do an overview on that. That is just, oh my gosh. That is a ghost of a girlfriend's past. That's what that is. <laughs> Anyways, it's still just as okay as I remember. Funny at times, you know, great cast that mas- meshes well. You know, although Emma Stone kind of sucks in a way, like I said, she's not bad. I guess it's just the character that sucks. And she did with, you know, what she could with it, but just not my cup of tea when it comes to that. We're going to go ahead and do a one to five star recommend. I'm going a solid four stars here, probably surprisingly enough. You know, I've said many reasons, you know, especially at the beginning, why I love the film and enjoy it. Sure, it's cheesy. You know, at times, you know, it's full of predictable cliches, which are redundant. Uh, and just like half, you know, of Matthew McConaughey's fucking bullshit pickup lines in this film. But I still find myself chuckling, you know, throughout. And it's, you know, definitely entertained throughout as well. But it's easy to find some trash parts of this film, but that's the charm. And honestly, that's the, that adds that little bit of what you need, that little spice of life part. But it's not just Matthew McConaughey's accent, you know, that's glorious about this movie. It's all kinds of shit. And so if you're wondering, hey, where the fuck can I check this out? I, it's been a while. Definitely in the $5 bin. You know, I was lucky enough to score it back in the day to Hastings video. RIP to that. God, I miss that place. It was amazing. So anyways... That back when that place was still up and going, it was actually when they were closing, sadly enough. You know, they were just trying to get rid of everything, practically giving it away at that point. You know, I managed to score this movie for 65 cents. So that's quite an investment, if you ask me. I'm sure if I went ahead and tried to sell sell it somewhere, I could maybe get a whole buck. So I'm going to make a little bit of money off this movie, but after I enjoy it many times and let you guys get a good review on it. So, an excellent review. It's an excellent review. Anyways, of course, if you don't want to buy that bullshit on the disc, you can always stream it on Vudu, which always has you covered. Uh, of course, anything you want for that can be enjoyed for just a matter of a few bucks. This being an older title, sure, it's even cheaper. So, definitely click away and enjoy. Next week's clue, we're, you know... Getting to that point where we're about halfway through America's Sweetheart Month, we're definitely rolling on with America's Sweetheart, Matthew McConaughey. And this one, guys, we're going to go ahead and get back to his roots in Texas with a massacre. Oh, yeah. This one's going to be awesome. I'm super excited. Definitely stay tuned for that one. And I promise to get back with you guys a little bit sooner than what I've been doing. I promise. I was trying to get some things going with the channel, which... I'm excited. We're now on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on literally every platform out there. So if it's not just about iTunes, if you don't have an iPhone, there's no excuses, guys. So I want to see lots of downloads. Please and thank you. Let your friends know. Hey, get get in touch with me. Let me know what you think. You know, Give me some suggestions as far as what you want to hear on the show. Just some cool stories. I promise what I'm going to be doing in the future is I want to answer some questions of your guys's and kind of let you know more about myself, you know, why these films are, you know, so important to me, where all these love and interest in these films came from and originated from. You know, I have a background, not necessarily making movies, but I've worked in a couple of video stores even recently, so things are interesting as far as what I've been through, what, you know, what I've seen, so I loved to tell these kind of stories. So I'm looking forward to that kind of stuff in the future, you know, just you know, spilling the beans, if you will. But if you want to know more about the page, definitely follow me on Facebook at Guilty Pleasure Movies, Twitter at GPM underscore podcast. Like I said, feel free to drop a message with some fun stories for me. Definitely suggestions for a movie or show you want to, you know, hear for, you know, on a future, uh, future review that is. But hey, guys, 
As always, I want to thank you again for listening. It's been a pleasure and to be continued. Hey gang, real quick, want to give a big thank you to the creator of our opening and closing theme songs, musical genius Dan Pfeiffer. If you enjoy those tracks, you can listen to them along with many more of his at the app Reverb Nation. Search his channel name, Dan Pfeiffer. That's spelled P-F-E-I-F-E-R. Dan the man, thanks again. Thank you.